Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, I heard a story the other day which kind of illustrates being distracted in lives. You know, just a little bit of distraction. I'd like to share it with you. A story goes like this. It was all over the news, okay? A businessman, after withdrawing, and I don't know who does this, but after withdrawing $100,000 from the bank, right, puts it in a briefcase, and he stopped at a store and placed a briefcase full of money beside him right on the checkout counter. $100,000. A man standing next to him engaged him just for a few seconds, the story says, with conversation, while another man walked up, grabbed a briefcase, and disappeared. When the businessman turned around, to his horror, the money was gone. Well, of course, he did what we do. He panicked, right? The crime was caught on the store surveillance camera. I don't know if he ever got the money back, but I do know this. This story serves as a warning that a few seconds of distraction is enough for you to lose your most valuable possessions. Now, you all know this. You've been walking with Jesus for a long time. You've been with me through the book of John. You know that one of the enemy's tools in his tool bag, if you will, is distractions. Distractions. See, he comes in and he tries to attract our attention with something else. He tries to divert our attention from where we're going. He tries super hard, if you will, to confuse our minds. So much so that we lose our God-given focus. And this happens often enough that we find ourselves drifting off course. It's distractions, guys. And listen, church, recognizing distractions is vital in serving Jesus and fulfilling our calling to him as witnesses. For Jesus himself tells us, follow me, follow me. That's what he's saying. And that's where we find Peter. See, Peter right now, he's in a dialogue with Jesus. And he has been restored back to ministry. Jesus tells Peter, Peter, I love you. I love you. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And then he prophesies, if you will, about the way Peter would live his life and then actually die for Jesus. He actually prophesies that. Now, let me back up before I read it. If you recall, Pete was the guy who said, listen, Lord, I'll die. Jesus goes out and he says, I'm going to die on the cross, Pete. And Pete's like, no, nobody's going to hurt you. I'll die for you. And he does all of this, but there was never anything, Pete. This is how you're going to live. This is how you're going to die until... They're sitting at the seashore having breakfast. Note with me the account, guys, in verse 18. I'm going to read from the New Living Translations. I know you have the New King James, but just listen up. He says, I tell you the truth. When you were young, Pete, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Can I get an amen? That's what Solomon says. Solomon says, hey, listen, <laughs> when you're young, you can die. let's go, right? And, and that's how we are. I remember, guys, when, when we're just young and we're 19 and we're 20, it's like 10 o'clock is early. But you start getting my age, 10 o'clock is late. 
You get Joe's age? Well, anyway, so, so the, that's what Solomon says. And then he says, Jesus said this to Pete. Pete, he said this, you know what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus looked at Pete and he says, follow me. Now, here's what we learned. According to church tradition, guys, Peter was crucified, but he was crucified upside down. I mean, he's like, I'm not worthy to even be crucified like my Lord. I love him so much. If you're going to crucify me, let it be upside down. Let it be upside down. If you recall, think about Peter for just a moment. You got to love Peter. Peter's the guy that we'll probably spend a few thousand years just talking to in heaven because Pete was distracted from the mission early on, if you recall. Pete was distracted when he what when he de- he denied the Lord just a few days earlier, and Jesus lovingly restores Peter in front of the other six fellows. Now I don't know where the other disciples were, but we know there were seven. Now we're off and running, and he's okay. You're restored, Peter. Love me, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, Pete. It's going to be good, bro. I got you. Except Peter once again <laughs> loses his focus. You go, know, Pastor. What do you think? Now, okay. Pete on this is saying, okay, he denied the Lord a few days, goes out weeping, decides to go fishing. You guys know the story. I don't need to rehash that. But now he's going to lose his focus again. Again, Pete, what are you doing? Now, again, I started thinking and I try to put myself in Pete's sandals and I started thinking, okay, well, how could this happen? How? And so I really thought, no, 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 I know I could happen. Listen, if I had just been told by Jesus what manner I would die for the Lord, that would freak me out, wouldn't it you? Now, it didn't matter if he says 30 years later, this is going to happen, or three months later, it would say, oh, Pete, you're really going to die for me, and you're going to glorify me in your death. And so you're like, okay, okay, okay. So how did it happen? Well, a lot of times, guys, when that happens, my concern would be, what about other fellows, right? Let's be honest, because I love you all, but I'd look at Stephen and go, okay, well, if I know how I'm going to die, how's, how's, what's going to happen to Stephen? He's following you too, and, and, and there's Joe, and, and, and I mean, that's how we are. We just want to know, and I know how Pete can do this. Now, like, he, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Pete might be thinking like us, I've messed up. That's always going to be on the back of his mind. I messed up. I denied the Lord, and even though I'm restored, this is my lot in life. And death upon my mistake. So I'd be curious, what about somebody who didn't deny the Lord? Like John. Maybe that's what he's thinking, right? Another school of thought I was thinking is maybe it's just curiosity. Curiosity. I fully accept my restoration. Thank you, Jesus. By God's wonderful grace, I'm just going to embrace it. But just as a means of dialogue with Jesus, he, he, let's talk about others. Let's see what's going on. Hey, I'm, I'm curious. Thank you, Lord, for the restoration. Thank you for my life. Thank you that I'm going to glorify you not only in my death, but in my life. But what about that guy? What about that guy? I'm, just, I'm curious, right? I'm, I'm, is he, is he, and, and that's kind of what's going on. Whatever the reason, guys, whatever the cause, we see Jesus look at Peter and he says, Pete, you follow me. You follow me. Now, in the text, we need to just step back for just a moment, okay? Because I always want to teach you. You've got to ask, what does it mean to follow me? Because anytime you see Jesus say, follow me, we get real spiritual. We go, oh, we're going to follow him. But, but text, in the text, everybody, guys, listen. 
It could simply mean that they got up from breakfast and Jesus said, Pete, follow me. Well, let's talk. Let's talk. We're all walking. Follow. That, it could simply mean that, guys. And, and because we're going to see that eventually you can tell because Pete's going to turn around and see John walking and go, hey, what about this guy? We got to look at the text. It could mean that we're called to follow Jesus, guys, in a way that would be imitating him and his grace and his mercy and forgiveness for others. He says, follow me. In other words, it means that we are to follow Jesus and we are to share in all the blessings that have been given to us in Christ. He could say, follow me, do what I do. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So he could mean, follow me. Whatever the case, we know that Jesus uses the phrase, follow me, 23 times in the New Testament. So we know that there's something to it. Okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? Well, as we approach the text, we're going to employ both. We're going to employ the fact that Jesus is saying, hey, walk with me. And the fact that I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. Because that's already been ingrained in the disciple. You guys with me? Now, as we approach our text, here's what we learn. If you're taking note, you can jot this down. Pete, once again, gets distracted from the mission. He gets distracted. And when I thought about the text, I thought, isn't that a lot like us? We know what we're called to do. What are we called to do? We're called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We're called to love Jesus. Can I get an amen? Okay, that's what we're called to do. But there are times when the enemy wants to distract us from what we're doing. Even for just a second. And that's what is really happening here. So this is how we can apply it as we go through. Now, I need to backtrack just a little bit, just for the sake of our study. If we were really to press hard against the text, we could easily discover that the Gospel of John should have ended in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, right? The last words, and, and, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. We could have said amen, and we could have closed out the book. But that's not what John does. John gives us bonus materials, right? He's the guy on the infomercial that says, but wait, there's more, right? Don't just, don't dial yet. And he's going to give us chapter 21, bonus material, right? We all like bonuses. And so what happens is we learned that Pete decides to go fishing. And they meet up with Jesus on the shore. This is the third time that Jesus had shown himself to them. Jesus does something so beautiful with Peter and the others. You go, what do you mean? Well, think about it. Not only does Jesus restore Peter, listen to me, but he sets in a principle that when you and I mess up, when you and I deny the Lord, when you and I fail to share the gospel, he still loves us. He still has his arms open wide. He does, I mean, he doesn't turn on us. He doesn't turn on us. And I love the principle that he's setting because if anyone messed up, Pete messed up. Pete, you are so prideful. I'm going to die for you. I don't care. All these others are going to deny you. Jesus, I'm going to die for you. And when the rubber met the road, oh, I don't know him. Pete messed up. That's like us. 
But I love the principle. Why? Because I know I mess up. Do you you all mess up? Do you all make mistakes? Do you all have... You all don't have bad attitudes, do you? There's no way. Men, we don't have UMS, do we? You go, what's UMS? It's, It's ugly mood syndrome. It's when we come home and we're just in an ugly mood. And your wife looks at, well, look at that. You're all nudging me. It's like, uh-huh, dude. You got UMS bad. But here's the point, guys. We, we mess up. We, I, I've done it, but I love the principle. Why? Because he says, I still, I still love you. And the breakfast is a beautiful reminder that he loves us and he loves them. And when the enemy comes in and he says, you know what? You've met, you're this, you're this. You go, I just remember breakfast. I remember that. I remember Jesus restored us. He, didn't, he wasn't mad at us. See, here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to remind you and try to tell you that God is mad at you a lot of times. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. That's what we need to understand. And so the next time the, the enemy comes to you and says, you know how you met? You know how you denied him? You know how you were scared to share the gospel? You know how you were doing blah, blah, blah? Just go, breakfast. Breakfast, chapter 21. He loves me. He loves me. Guys, you've got to embrace that. You've got to own that, that he loves you. Well, note the dialogue. What happens, guys, is in verse 15, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Simon Peter, or Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. That's number one. Verse 16, and he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord. You know I phileo you, I brotherly love. He says, I know, Pete, tend my sheep. And that's the second time. And the third time, he says to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? And Pete says, Lord, I'm, I'm grieved. I'm, I'm frustrated. You keep, telling, you keep asking me if I love you. You know I love you. You know all things. And Jesus smiles at him and he says, feed my Sheep. So there's the restoration. So then Jesus turns to Pete and he says, follow me, follow me. Now, again, you got you just put that somewhere in your Bible because I know it's going to come out. The text seems to indicate that they're walking now and another dialogue begins. OK, so that's where we pick up our text in verse 20. You with me? It says, then Peter, OK, they're walking, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following well, we'd have to stop and go, who's this disciple? Well, well, John gives us. It's also the one who leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is it that betrays you? So instead of going, it's me, John, <laughs> it's me, John, he gives himself a huge description, right? Well, who is it, Lord? Well, it's the guy that had a great game at golf on Thursday. That's who it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's the guy who outdrove. Just kidding, just kidding. Okay, so so again, he's he's sitting here and he's <laughs> and he's saying, "It's John, it's John." So Peter goes, "Listen," and so instead of talking to John, he looks back and he says, "This." But Lord, what about this man? What about this man? Now, let me give you. I love what Pastor Warren Wiersbe says about it, and he could say it a lot better. So let me just quote what he says, but I want to make a quick point before moving on. Warren Wiersbe writes, Jesus had just spoken to Peter about life and ministry, 
He now talks about Peter's death. Everybody with me on that? This must have been a shock to Peter to have the Lord discuss death in such an open manner. No doubt Peter was rejoicing that he had been restored to fellowship and apostleship. But why bring up how I'm going to die? Why, why would you do that? The first time, now listen, he writes, the first time Jesus spoke about his own death, Peter, what, opposed it. No, Lord, far be it from you. Peter had even used his sword in the garden. Do you guys remember that? Right? In the garden, in a futile attempt to protect the Lord. He tried to cut off somebody's head and just got the ear. Yet Peter boasted that he would die for the Lord Jesus. But when the pressure was on, Peter failed miserably, Warren writes. And he writes this, you and I probably would have done worse. Anyone who yields himself to serve the Lord must honestly confront this matter of death. Now, you go, what was the point? Well, when I read Warren Wiersbe, I thought, you know what? That's exactly what it is. That's exactly. What is it? Anyone who yields himself to serve the Lord must honestly confront this matter of death. Now, again, let me just say this. Here's the point I want to make. As fully devoted followers of Christ, guys, we must settle the issue of death. You go, now, now listen, I love you, so I want to I tread lightly. I don't take the issue of death. I don't say we all have a death wish. We're walking around going, I can't wait today. I'm not saying that, right? Because God put in us such a beautiful preservation of life. But what I am saying is that we have to settle the issue so that we can fully live. Settle the issue. Because I know a lot of people, even believers, are scared. They're freaked out because, again, we don't know. Yet we do know, because the one who's gone before us told us, I, don't worry about it, it's all good. You will never live if you're afraid to die. You'll never live if you're afraid to die. And that's what I want. I want to settle the issue, and I want to settle the issue here, right? Because again, the believers, guys, believers, once they have settled it in their heart, okay, okay, then they fully live. They fully live. There are a lot of people who, again, you want the, the number, the number two thing that people hate. Number one is public speaking. Number two is they're afraid of death. And we don't talk about death, do we? You ever have a guy, hey, how's it going? You ever think about how you're going to die? No. Do you? You weirdo. I mean, we don't. We don't talk about death. But here's the thing. For the believer, guys, it has to be settled. You know where you're going because of Jesus. Can I get an Amen. Okay, let me illustrate it this way, guys. I, I, this is such a cool illustration. I was like, oh, I got to steal that. I got to steal that. You may or may not follow the NBA Finals, okay? Your teams may not be on it, but this is the national, this is the world championship right here, the NBA Finals, right? It's, a, it's the Golden State Warriors versus the Toronto Raptors. And the other night, we got home, and we were watching the game, right? We were watching the game. Now, again, it seemed like Golden State was going to just win this game. At halftime, they were up by 10. It was amazing. Now, if you hadn't seen it, and you are trying, you, you T-voted or whatever, DVR'd it, okay, spoiler alert, okay? Toronto came back and beat them down. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you, okay, there's, there's, there's part of the game here, okay? If you didn't see it live, you didn't see it live, and you DVR'd it, and you came home Saturday afternoon, you knew that your team, let's say that Toronto was your team, and you said, oh, and you knew they won. 
but you wanted to see the game. While you were watching the game, although you saw your favorite players, although you saw amazing plays, although you saw uh, behind the back, under the leg, in between the toes, dunk or whatever it might be, were you ever worried about the outcome? Why not? Well, Ben, it was already over. We had already won. We won. I already knew, so I wasn't stressed. Even though at halftime, when I went to go get popcorn, and we were down by 10, I was like, no big deal. You guys tracking with me? So when it comes to death, guys, you've already, you've already won. You've already seen the end. Don't worry about it. You are not going to die until my Jesus says, come home. You're not. So live. Paul, Pete, live. And when Pete understood that, then he said, okay, now I can live. Now, I'm looking at you. Easier said than done. Easier for me to say, hey, come on, guys. But, but I want us as a, as a group of believers to just live how God wants us to live. And not be worried. Not be worried. I wonder how many, and I'm getting off track here. I wonder how many angels have gotten beat up because it wasn't my time to go. You guys know what I'm talking about? I was sitting at the loop the other day. It was a Friday, and it was raining, and I, was, I was, had, had, to go to, had to do a wedding, and I was getting ready to go, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm, i got to get there in time, and I'm sitting. Okay, the light turned green. I decide to wait just a second. Just then, the car busts through the red. He would have just, he would have hit me. It would have been ugly. Right? Now, here's what scares me, okay? I could have been on my phone. I could have been, you know, I'm on my way, whatever, and not. That's why we have to be careful. So don't text and drive. Put your phone away. I get it. But I know that it was like, the Lord is like, no. It's not time. You with me? So, so live. That's, that's what Pete, that's, that's what Jesus, listen, listen, listen. The issue, guys, has to be settled so that we can live fully. Laugh. Enjoy each other's company. Quit the drama. <laughs> Life's too short for drama, isn't it? There's not enough drama mean in the world to cover drama. I mean, I'm just saying. Okay, back in our text. I've given you enough of that. Back in our text. So Peter turning around, what does he do? He points to John and he asks the Lord, what about this man? Now, Peter makes a tragic mistake. What does he do? He got his eyes off the Lord and he begins to look at others. In this case, John. This is a case of getting just a, and I call it here, a wee bit of distracted. Just a wee bit, right? We're walking with Jesus. Jesus is about to impart. I mean, this is the resurrected Jesus. And he's going, what about this dude? It's like, Pete, seriously? You're about to get impart wisdom and knowledge to, to catapult the ministry of what God wants to do. And you go, hey, what about him? What about him? What can we learn? What can we learn? If we are to follow Christ, listen to me, jot this down, you must keep your eyes on him alone. 
If we are to follow Christ, keep your eyes on the Lord. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge cloud of witnesses to the life in faith, let us strip away every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. That's the writer of Hebrews. What does he say? Guys, throw away those, throw away those distractions. Don't get distracted with stuff. Uh, little things. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. What, what the Lord is saying, Pete, Pete, it's none of your business. And it's none of our business how Christ leads his other workers. Our business is to follow Christ and obey him. That's your business. That's your business. So Pete goes, hey, what about him? Well, Jesus Well, Jesus responds. Look at verse 22. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that? What is that to you? You follow me. Right. In other words, here's what he's saying. If I want John to live until I come again, that's my business. You worry about following me. Jesus here, guys, he lovingly tells Peter not to be distracted or concerned with God's wills for others. Now, let me just clarify this. We must be concerned for others as brothers and sisters. Okay, so now, well, God, it's not my will. I don't worry about you. You, you, you want to start? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying as brothers and sisters, we need to love each other and we need to care for them. Amen? Amen. But as far as like, hey, what does God want to do with Adam? That's between him and God. What does God want to do with Tiffany, right? That's between, I mean, that's what he's talking about. We, we don't need to worry about, oh, I, what happened then? I couldn't sleep last night. Why? Because I was worried about what God wanted to do with Paul. I just didn't know. I mean, Paul's cleaning the church, and I just, well, why couldn't you sleep? Well, I was just, I kept asking, God, what do you want to do with Paul? And, Paul, and God's like, dude, seriously? I'll take care of Paul. I know, but you've seen Paul, right? He needs help. He's a shepherd. I mean, Lord. And that's not what we do. Amen? God's going to deal with every single one of us. And he says, guys, here's the thing. Stay focused. Stay focused. Now, note the verse again. I draw your attention to this fact. Jesus did not lay out a detailed plan for Peter to follow. You with me? The will of God for our lives is to follow Jesus with all of our hearts. Okay, so in other words, he's a oh, Pete, listen, don't worry about John. Let me tell you how it's going to go down. Okay, so from this day to this day, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to baptize him. He just says, follow me. Follow me. Now, that's one of the biggest things Christians struggle with. God, what's your will for my life? Anybody with me? What's your will for my life? Let me tell you, the Bible tells us. Do you want to know what your will for your life is? Do you want to know God's will for your life? Let me share with you, okay? Jot this down. It's going to be in First Thessalonians chapter 5. 16 through 18. This is God's will for your life. What does he say? Verse 16 says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Boom. There it is. You want God's will? First of all, rejoice always. Rejoice. 
How many of you blown it like me? Man, I want to rejoice. There's a lot to be... Th- I'm just like David at times, man. At David, I'm like, why is my soul old downcast, right? And he's like... He wants to hear me. Dude, listen, I've got everything. I've got a great church. I've got great friends. I've got a wonderful family. And I'm like, I don't know what But he says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. I want to rejoice. I want to be joyful. That doesn't mean I'm happy all the time. You come in and like, hi. How's it going? Yeah, praise God, I'm crazy. That's not us. But the joy, rejoice always. The second thing in my life, guys, that we need to learn, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Continually pray, continually pray, continually pray. Continually pray. What a privilege it is we have in prayer. You have to talk to the God of the universe. You have to hang out with him. And if we're quiet and we're still enough, he answers us. I'll pray without ceasing. Here's another one. You ready? Verse 18. In everything, give thanks. Yeah. Sister, mm. Sister went, mm. Why? Because we give thanks when it's good. Right? But in hard times, ah, you don't see me thanking God a whole lot. But he says, in everything, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, in everything. Everything. That's everything, right? In everything. Yeah. In the hard times. And I mean, that's, isn't that what marriage vows are? Right? For better or for worse. In sickness and in... For everything, give thanks. Yes, I, so like, I'm, I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, I'm not batting like zero right here. Like, I'm 0 for 3, right? I'm like, ah! But he says, this is the will of God. Okay, Lord, I want to have, I want to have that joy. I want to rejoice always. I want to pray without ceasing. And in everything, I want to give thanks. I think we've lost that art of thank you, huh? It's just been real like, thank you, thank you. It doesn't mean anything anymore. But I think when we thank the Lord for everything, in the Old Testament, there was a, and I can't find it right now, but I know that they, it was, um, they would often pray after they ate. You know, we often pray before we eat and we thank the Lord, but there were times when, when they prayed after, and I always liked that. I was like, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We're full. We got full bellies. It's amazing. Great conversation. That's good. That's good. Verse 23, back in our text, John, this... Then this saying went out among the brethren that his disciples that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to them that he would not die, but if that he will, that he remain till I come, what is it with you? Now apparently, church, listen, Jesus saying caused confusion. And it still does today, whenever people start going. But here's the thing. Jesus emphasized that Jesus' statement was not a prediction. That's what John does. But rather rather a hypothetical scenario intended to instruct Peter. Hence the fact, guys, that we have to dig deep in the word of God so we know exactly what it's saying to us. Everybody started going, whoa, Pete, either Jesus is going to come back in the next 10 years or, or John's going to live forever. But that's not exactly what was said, was it? He says, Pete, listen, don't, don't worry about that dude. If it's up to me, if, if, you know, and we go, oh, oh, okay, okay. And then we come to the last 
last two verses of the book. It says, this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, the one thing we need to understand about John, and and again, we need to realize he never identifies himself as John, either the disciple whom Jesus loved, which I love. And you go, why? I want to be that guy. Because first of all, I want to stand on the side knowing that Jesus loves me. Okay, so I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Wow. That brings peace and joy. But I also want to say it like, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved because I also know my heart. One gives me pride. Now listen to what I say. One gives me pride in Jesus. The other helps me walk in humility. My pride, my boast is not in me, but the fact that Jesus loves me. My humility is that Jesus loves me. He loves me. Your pastor. He loves me. He loves you. That's unbelievable. And we never want to walk around church going, well, of course. (laughs) Don't you know what I could offer the kingdom? Of course Jesus loves me. It's like, wow. And that's what he says. And John says, this is the disciple who testifies of these things. I saw it, guys. I wrote them down. And I know that my testimony is true. My testimony is true. And then he says this, there were, there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Do you see that? In heaven... We're going to look, I wonder if there's going to be like this huge, this like giant screen of all the stuff Jesus did that we don't even know. All the, I mean, it's like if I, if I wrote down every, John says, if I wrote down every single thing, we couldn't fit him in all the books. Which makes me believe in the three years and whatever Jesus did is, and he's still doing it, is he not? One of the things that Jesus did is he saved you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like you. Just kidding, like me. Right? Now, let's close with some application, okay? We learned that we can get, at times, get distracted from the mission of following Jesus. I think there are times, guys, that we, we may stray for a moment. But gently and lovingly, our Lord, he beautiful, beautifully reminds us, follow me, follow me. I think there are times in life, guys, that that's what the enemy wants to do with you. He wants to distract you. He wants to get you just off focus just a little bit. He does. But I'm here today to tell you, keep your eyes on Jesus. And here's why. You realize that if you and I were to take off on a plane from Lubbock, Texas, and listen, guess what? You're just, this, is, this is first service. I've got all of us tickets to Hawaii. 
We're leaving today. Pack your bags. All of us. All of us. All of us. I've, I've secured it. So all of us show up at the airport. We get on the airplane. We're going to Hawaii. This is going to be amazing. You realize is, is that if that plane is one degree off, just one degree from where we're supposed to land, we're going to be somewhere over the ocean. It doesn't have to be 10 degrees, guys. He doesn't have to... Just one little, one little distraction. And we could be... And that's what the devil wants to do. Just one little distraction in your life. Oh, we got we to gotta get in there and say, Lord, you're my foundation. When we get distracted, when we, when we deny the Lord, when we don't share the gospel like we know we're supposed to. Jesus loves us and he says, okay, follow me. Stay focused. Stay focused. And we don't look around and go, what about this guy? What about that guy? What about, what's going on here? What's, what's that church doing over there? What are, wow, why do they have a lot of people? God! Ben, don't get to focus. Just teach the word. Just teach the word. Just teach the word. Because what happens if your pastor gets distracted? Lives. Lies, the, the potential that God wants to do with people. Stay focused, guys. Pete, thank you. We, we need to tell Pete, thank you. Because he showed us just a little bit. Okay, Lord, I, I get it. I, I'm Pete. I got distracted at times, but I'm focused now. I'm focused now. Amen? Father, we thank you this morning for your word, and we thank you for the truth in your word. Lord, keep us focused in you, our mission, what you've called us to do. Lord, in here, you've called many to be just a wonderful, loving, godly husband. Help us to stay focused on that. You've called many in here to be a wonderful, loving, godly, focused wife. Help us to stay focused on you, Lord. This morning, Lord, you've called many of us in mission to tell others about you. Help us to stay focused on you. Help us to follow you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.